What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam. I don't know what to call you this week, Kalal, and we are Atlanta Zone. Two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports, wacky-ass hijinks, and analysis. Adam, how's it going, sir? Graham, it's going very well. I'm glad to see that the creative part of your mind is firing on all, all cylinders. Creative really juices are just unbelievable today. Flowing, flowing. You have no idea what's going to hit you. Yeah, yeah. No, th- th- this is good. This is good. It's a big week for the boys of Atlanta Zone because little Graham here is getting married at the end of this month. Yeah. And he's one of these COVID weddings that was supposed to be last year. He's supposed to be coming up on his one-year anniversary, but that didn't happen. A lot of things didn't go as planned, so it's happening uh, is that Memorial Day weekend? Yes. Yes. Uh, I always flip-flop Memorial Day and Labor Day. But Memorial Day weekend, and this weekend is the, I don't know, if, we'll, we'll keep calling it the pre-bachelor party. Because we had a proper bachelor party planned for last year, where we're going to rent a house in Austin. It's going to be a whole deal. The whole caboodle. But instead, we're doing an in-town pre-bachelor party, and Atlanta's own will be in attendance at the Braves game versus the Phillies Saturday night. Which is pretty funny because we did it realizing like we're all vaccinated at this point and the Braves are doing 50% capacity at the game. And then I believe maybe two hours after I bought the tickets to the game, they announced 100% capacity. It's going to be exciting. We'll yeah, say that much. It'll be exciting. It's going to be weird as hell. Yeah, I'll be a little anxious probably, but um, I guess that's what the vaccine's for. Put that bitch to the test. Yep, yep. They say, you know, if you're vaccinated and outdoors, you should be good to go. So uh, we'll uh, have a full rundown in about a week and a half of how that worked out for us. If you don't hear from us in about a week, then you'll know that we died from COVID, and that's just the way things go sometimes. Mm, that's very uplifting, Graham. <laughs> Creative and uplifting today. Yeah. I look forward to seeing where the rest of this show goes. Got a lot more uplifting remarks to make, especially about the Braves later. I, I sense a very, very hostile show coming up. Maybe we should start with an area that maybe you'll have a little more positivity in, in the Falcons. Yeah, yeah maybe not so no, much. But yeah, no, I, yeah, let's start there. I think, I think that's a good place to start. The, the yeah. NFL draft that we've been talking about for the last, I don't know, year since your wedding got canceled basically is uh it's finally coming come and gone yep that was a big big draft we watched that together on thursday and you could feel the energy in the room at least between us other people weren't as into it that were watching with us for, for obvious reasons their teams weren't up yet or they just didn't give a shit and you could feel once the 49ers announced trey lance was their pick the energy between us, like we sort of locked eyes like lovers do. And, um, I know what you're talking there, about. There was just sort of, sort of telepathic communication where like Pitts is, is coming. Pitts is going to be the pick. I was in the back of my head, though, I was kind of still hoping for Fields. And we can get into the whole Fields or Pitts should have been the guy or whatever. But long story short is that we drafted Kyle Pitts, the fourth, the fourth overall pick in the 2021 NFL draft. It sounds like Roger Goodell right now. And based off everything you hear about the guy, everything you've seen about the guy, freaking nature. Eight touchdowns in like eight games last year, eclipsed a thousand yards, apparently can line up all over the field, not just as, you know, the typical tight end on the line. 
Um, he can line up in the slot. He can line up outside as receiver. He's even improved his run blocking to be highly above average, what scouts are, are saying about him right now. So he's a complete package. Apparently has no flaws in his game. He's 6'6". He's a matchup nightmare. He's like 250 of just muscle. I mean, th- this this guy looks like a prototypical freak of nature. He It's like um, Darren Waller and Travis Kelsey had a love child, and this is what they produced. It might be the next evolution of tight end with Kyle Pitts. Well, he has the longest... The widest, longest or widest, whichever you want to call it, wingspan of any receiver to come out of the NFL draft in 20-plus years. The next closest being DK Metcalf, which, you know, that, that, that sounds pretty promising to me. Yeah. Like, he, he, he gets compared to these freak wide receivers like Calvin Johnson, Julio Jones, D, DK Metcalf, more than the tight ends. Right. Um, so, it to me... I agree, like, the quarterback was still in the back of my mind. But you can't be upset at taking a once-in-a-generation talent. All, all signs point to him just being unbelievable. So, you know, we knew that coming into it, Terry Fontenot was very much a, a proponent of best player available regardless of position. On paper, Kyle Pitts looked like to be the best player available. So, yeah, you can't get mad at the pick. Yes, you can say we have holes everywhere else. Once again, different philosophy, different mindset from our general manager. And it's not like he didn't address, you know, our, our need in the trenches. I mean, we also drafted, uh, you know, two defensive linemen and two offensive linemen. So the trenches, you know, were addressed. And um, depending on where you wanted them to be addressed, maybe you want to be addressed sooner. Uh, it is what it is. We have to see how all these guys play out in terms of, you know, how they perform at the NFL level. Some are more ready than others. But let's, you know, with Kyle Pitts, I think we can both agree – Probably the right pick. I'm still always going to wonder about Justin Fields, especially if he becomes an absolute beast. I was surprised he, he fell all the way to 10 or 11 whenever Chicago picked. I valued him more than I did Trey Lance. And the reason for that, I know the Big Ten's not a great conference, but it's better than whatever conference North Dakota State plays in. And Trey Lance didn't play last year. So it's not, I'm not saying Trey Lance is garbage. I mean, everyone says he's going to be great. But Justin Fields, to me... It was was a complete package of, of a quarterback. I think Chicago got a steal there, and they may reap the rewards of that. But that's not to say Kyle Pitts wasn't a great pick either. I'm just always going to wonder about that. Not to say that I don't appreciate your evaluation of a college quarterback that you saw play maybe, what, one game? Two games? Probably like five games. Five games? Over five. like three years. That's pretty good, but, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that is that is more than probably a lot of people in the world that you've uh, witnessed Justin Fields play football. I loved what Arthur Smith and Fontenot said. He was like, look, you guys hired the wrong guys if you wanted this to be a rebuild. That's not who they are. So for that to think that they were going to pass on Kyle Pitts, I guess we were all stupid to even have this conversation in the first place, especially once the Matt Ryan extension happened. Right. Like it should have been a no-brainer right. at that point. And the, the thing with Pitts is – what he's going to create for matchups on the field. Like our offense is just going to be assuming we keep Julio Jones, which at this point, I hope we find a way to have him on the field this year personally, because he's going to get a lot of one-on-ones where he never would in the past, along with Calvin Ridley, along with Hayden Hurst, along with Russell Gage, like holes are going to be opened for the running back that wouldn't have been there. If you don't have this freak of nature, Kyle Pitts all over the field. Not to mention combining that with Arthur Smith's creativity as a playmaker, 
versus Dirk Cutter, just doing the same shit over and over and over and over again. So we're going to put up points, Graham. That much we know. And I do like that they took the two offensive linemen. Uh, the, the big catchphrase for Smith and Fontenot has been versatility. That's what they're looking for out of players. So Jalen Mayfield, the, the offensive tackle out of Michigan, he can play tackle, he can play guard. And Drew Dahlman, the center out of Stanford, brings in the competition for center, which is huge. And this guy plays guard as well. But, you know, Matt Hennessy, who was the guy we drafted last year, who we all just assumed was going to take over the starting center position this year, now he's got real competition in there, which is awesome. Like, we have a little bit of depth on the offensive line now by taking – I mean, th- that was a third-round pick and a fourth-round pick on those guys. So I, I'm impressed with the way – and not to mention taking the best safety on the board in Richie Grant. So right. We, we have filled a lot of holes that we were concerned about and created competition all over the field. So, it, I mean, having Pitts, who's going to come in and contribute day one versus Justin Fields, who – and also, we don't know if Justin Fields is going to be a great NFL quarterback. We're pretty confident that Pitts is going to be a Pro Bowl tight end to, like, set the floor on him. There are less you know? questions about him coming in, of course, certainly. So, you know, running back not being addressed was the one uh, issue. I was surprised by that, especially with taking a wide receiver with our last pick. That one seemed a little strange to me. But, you know, addressed the secondary with the safety, two cornerbacks, addressed both lines. You know, it's, I, th- I think it's, it's a solid first draft. And, like, we were rated. I, I know that everyone cares about what the so-called experts say. But our draft was rated very well by a lot of people so i mean i I, nothing jumped off the board is what the hell are these guys thinking which right they they didn't embarrass embarrass atlanta and that's what we asked yeah and i really like the richie grant pick a lot i mean we know safety is a huge need for us this guy's apparently just a absolute ball hawk um i think he recorded nine interceptions in three years as a safety that's really good He's also supposed to be a, a very physical player, so I, I like that pick a lot. Um, Mayfield, I like too. It was interesting. On e- I was watching uh, in the weekend. I was watching ESPN's coverage, and I can't remember who it was, but someone was like, "This is a project player. This guy's not ready to just slide into the NFL and all this shit." And then everyone else <laughs> that I've read about that's that's uh, uh, done reports on Mayfield says that yeah, maybe he's not like going to just immediately go in there and, and start playing, but he's he's not a project at all which um so who knows if he's gonna be a project or not but i think that um like we said with mayfield i heard a great story about him i mean he played at michigan obviously a huge school when michigan was playing ohio state a couple years back mayfield wanted to go up against chase young one-on-one and he did for the entire game and chase young had zero sacks and i mean Chase Young, he's a legit like menace in the NFL now. And the fact that this guy, A, had the confidence to tell his coach, I want him one-on-one, and B, you know, perform admirably, that's awesome to hear. So, I mean, I, I have a lot of hope for Mayfield. I mean, at the very least, providing great competition to some of the other guys we already have there, but, if, but taking on a bigger role this year. Chase Young, Graham and I were discussing also at the draft how it's just kind of sad because in the moment when we drafted Pitts, like, you and I didn't freak out. Like, 
overly excited. No. Like, we haven't really leaned either direction for what we wanted this team to do too much. But, like, Chase Young, it just sucks that when we're drafting number four overall, there's not, like, a no-brainer like Chase Young D-end on the board. Yeah, someone who... Like, the thing is also we're, we're so inundated with skilled players with Julio and Ridley. I wouldn't even put Hurst in that conversation. But even Gage, you know, is a solid player. So it's like, it, it's it's kind of like our cup runneth over now even more with Pitts. So, yeah, you would have loved to have Chase Young last year. Yeah. Like, but, you'd love to have him this year is what I'm trying to say. But whatever. You know, I think also the one thing that we haven't talked about yet is that this makes, even though I know you want to keep Julio, I like in an ideal world to keep Julio, this makes Julio expendable. This makes Julio more tradable in my eyes because you can, you know, if you're banking on Kyle Pitts being as good as he is, you can lose Julio Jones and not lose too much. And also, I don't think Julio's value is going to be ever going to be higher than it is now. It's not. It's only going to decline. I think going back to what I just said about what Arthur Smith and Fontenot said is if you wanted to rebuild, you chose the wrong guys. I think that applies to trading Julio. Like if, if they can get under the cap by restructuring Grady Jarrett, Arthur Smith is not going to want to run away from the possibility of having all of those weapons playing at the same time. No, but he's the easiest way to get more cap money. At $7.78 million would be really nice right now for a a cap-strapped team. Right, but if you can get that by restructuring Grady? I don't think you can do that. I think he's probably the only way. He's he's the way you're going to get the most out of whatever remaining cap there is left. But you know what I'm saying. They're going to fight like hell to... Oh, sure. They're going to try and do everything under the sun. And they know a hell of a lot more than I. Here I am sitting here like I know the fucking Falcons' finances. But that's just what I have heard based off of what I've read. But who the hell knows? <laughs> based off what a reporter speculated. Right. So we'll see. But um, <laughs> I don't see unless there's some way to magically restructure Grady's contract. The problem with restructuring contracts is that eventually you're going to have to pay for it. It's almost like getting a loan. It's like, yeah, we're not going to pay him that much this year, but the next year, like with Matt Ryan, we're going to pay him, like, what, $25 million this year or something. Next year, we got to pay him $48 million. So the, 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 the hens come to roost. You don't, don't want to get in the habit of that because then you're just going to be in cap hell forever. It's putting it on credit, yeah no, yeah, no doubt. But I guess the other kicker with this year is COVID did lower the salary cap. Yes, so, that also is working against us. And that will – you're assuming the salary cap will come back up once fans are in the stadium again yeah. and all of that. So. Right, as long as there isn't hopefully another pandemic that happens, we we'll, should be okay around that i don't anticipate the cap to be worse or to decline overall for all and for all nfl teams well you are a doctor you could probably tell us uh it's true whether or not the pandemic is gonna get worse than it is now that's true what do you think dr graham i think that i was actually in reality very encouraged i actually looked at numbers legit numbers and just things keep going down that's just really nice so based off my five minutes of research the other day things are turning up folks it, it is helpful well trending down in a positive manner they're trending up Got it. but the numbers are trending down yeah it yeah. is helpful to actually look at statistics instead of just uh right reading fear-mongering what have you yes 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 well, th- thanks for that input, Dr. Graham. I'm of sure course. I'm sure you comforted a lot of people uh, yeah. yourself. And I'm, I'm glad people turned to me for their COVID uh, updates and general health updates. I know your expertise is like ankles and wrists. Wrists. Yeah. Wrists. <laughs> wrists are the big one. Ankles and wrists, yeah. You know, if you want a more, yeah, I'm not that great with, uh, you know, pathogens and viruses and things like that. But, you know, 
You gotta know a little bit sure. when you're getting your medical license. Exactly. And you specialize in something. Round four, we take Darren Hall, cornerback out of San Diego State. Um, he's a pretty versatile player. Some people said this was a reach at pick 108, but apparently he has played at safety. He can play receivers in the slot. He can also play uh, as a nickel. So he can line up anywhere on the field. Had a solid career at San Diego State. We need more cornerbacks, even though I know we have a lot of young cornerbacks. I don't care. Not, not all of them are going to pan out. Keep filing them in because we're going to need someone to step up, and they're not all going to succeed. So I'm, I'm good with this pick. The difference in these guys' skills versus like a, a standard TD, Dan Quinn, uh, space tacklers, these guys are actually ball hawks. So there's a reason that we had no one making turnovers except KZ over the last couple of years. So, I mean, it's promising to see a different approach to a draft where, you know, space tackling, that didn't work out great for us, which is also hilarious because who did Dan Quinn take in his, this draft this year with the Cowboys? Don't know. That uh, best linebacker from Penn State that you wanted? Oh, Mika Parsons. Yeah, he's probably a... Micah. Micah Micah Parsons, sorry. Yeah, he did take him. He's a space tackler. He is a space tackler. He's a guy that Dan Quinn loves, for sure. Yeah, so it's good to get some ball hawks. And, uh, you know, I mean, with how shitty our defense could be, we're going to need some turnovers. Like, the the problem, I I, I feel for these young corners and secondary players because our defensive line is just not very good. Even bringing in a guy like um, Taquan Graham, who's a fifth-round uh, fifth pick, defensive tackle from Texas. Um, supposed to be very physical and a good run stopper. Probably a rotational player initially. It's like we don't have – we didn't draft anyone, I don't think, on the defensive line that's going to come in and, and wreak havoc on um, unsuspecting fools. We're not going to – we haven't gone out on anyone in free agency to get a defensive end who's going to come in and just be a beast. This defensive line is going to suck this year. Like, I mean, it shouldn't be a surprise to anybody if you're a Falcons fan and been watching this team for a while. But it's going to be really rough, I think. I'll be very shocked if we have even just an average defensive line. Like, um, and that's not to say Daquan Graham's a, a trash player, but he's, you know, someone, he's a rookie. Rookie defensive tackle. Like, so these, these, this young secondary, which includes Grant and Darren Hall, are going to be under fire all season with uh isaiah oliver and um it's just gonna be rough it's gonna be rough and i even though i like what arthur smith and and terry fontenot are saying and they know a hell of a lot more than i do and i know they need to project confidence this is a rebuilding year i'm sorry this defense is just not very good on paper even though we're getting some reinforcements here even though we're getting uh wow this guy from notre dame adi adito kumbo ogundiji I'm sure I just offended everyone in the world. But, um, you know, he recorded, I think, seven or eight sacks last year. He led Notre Dame in sacks. Um, supposed to be a solid player. Big program. Um, yeah, Notre Dame's produced some decent defensive ends in the last five, six years. So that's, that's encouraging. But even then, still a rookie. Still a guy being taken in the sixth round. Where you was know? Grady Jarrett taken? He was taken in the fifth round. Mm-hmm. Or sorry, he's he's being taken in the fifth round too. I forgot we had three, uh, five, uh, three fifth round picks. But it's just it's gonna be rough. And we took another cornerback, Avery Williams from Boise State. And I'm glad once again get the get as much young cornerbacks in here as possible. And um, he's apparently also a very good returner. So I know Corderell Patterson, who we signed, isn't a spring chicken. So maybe this guy's the heir apparent to him as well, so he can fulfill multiple roles. 
Uh, I like that pick quite a bit, specifically for that reason. And then we end things with Frank Darby from Arizona State. Apparently a really big uh, deep ball threat and had a bunch of explosive plays at Arizona State. And who knows if that's going to translate to the NFL, but, you know, this is more of a flyer pick. And if there wasn't a running back out there that, that they liked, then so be it. And I know we signed, like, what, 20 undrafted free agents. Um, one of the, at least a couple of those were running backs. So it's just tough to imagine us not rebuilding this year, despite what Smith and Fontenot say. There's just too many, there's still way too many holes, too many questions, too many unproven players coming into positions that are expected to play now. It's just, it's just going to be tough. Even if they're putting up 35 points a game? When you're giving up 35 points a game, you know, it becomes very hard. I don't think that this Falcons offense is going to score. I don't think they're going to average over 30 points a game, and that's very hard to do. Um, and also just, you know, Mike Davis is a decent running back, but he's not end-all, be-all. So I think we're still going to be very one-dimensional offensively. Well, I'm looking at these running backs we got right now. So currently the backup's going to be Quadria Allison, who's a guy we drafted out of Pittsburgh a couple of years ago who – I don't think he was used properly at no. all. 6'1", 232 pounds. We need to use him more in short yardage situations, which we did for a little bit, and then he just, we just stopped doing it. I so don't know why. The fact that we kept him and cut Ito Smith, who, I mean, I think most Falcons fans probably thought Ito Smith was the better player there. Yes. I mean, I think that shows that Arthur Smith has some plans for Mr. Allison here. And then they signed this running back out of Louisville. He's an undrafted free agent, Javian Hawkins who put up huge numbers in college. And uh, he's more of the, they're comparing him to like, like the Darren Sproles. Like he's 5'8", 183 pounds. Just, but again, huge play capability. And you can put Patterson in the backfield as well. So we'll keep coming back to versatility. That's, that's what they're trying to build. I'm generally not as doom and gloom as you are. And I think that that follows for this roster i can certainly see a winning football team coming out of all of this really so even with no defensive ends you see a winning football team no defensive ends um yeah i mean a lot of it is gonna be counting on dante fowler to be something i have no zero faith in him i mean you got grady jared on the inside still tyler davidson solid the other big hope that maybe marlon davidson who never really got off the ground running last year, can become more of a factor this year at the D-tackle position. Maybe. Um, Steven Means was all right. Decent rotational player. Jacob Tuioti Mariner, same thing. Um, I wouldn't call it no defensive line. It's a very – It's better than it was last year, I'll I, tell you that much. I don't think it's gotten much better. Well, here's paper. the other uh, – we're forgetting about Dean Pease, the Dean Pease factor. And All what, he's going to do is blitz everybody. This guy's a suicide. Remember suicide blitz play from NFL Blitz? Yeah. That's what it's going to be. Yeah. He's blitzing everyone, which I'm okay with because we don't we never do that. And I like to blitz people more. But um, So I think we will generate more pressure that way just by, you know, the fact that we're going to blitz more. It's just, I think, I think what's going to be key this year, you were talking about how our linebacking core is good like a month ago, two months ago. Our linebacking core is the strongest element of our defense. And they're going to have to bolster this 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 unit. Because a pass rush from the core defensive line is going to be lackluster, I think. And then the secondary is extremely young. The linebackers are going to have to bolster and provide the foundation for this defensive unit. And if they can be more involved in pass rushing, and you know, we saw Deion Jones pass rush a little bit more last year, we need to see that more this year. Like, we're going to have to use the linebackers in a lot of creative ways if we're going to have at least a half-decent defense this year. We can at least now see the direction that 
Smith and Fontenot want to take this team. We understand they're not getting the quarterback for a couple more years probably, although I guess we should probably say that we do now have three quarterbacks on the roster. Uh, we picked up A.J. McCarron. I think that was like we signed him maybe the second day of the draft, and there was a lot of speculation that that shows that maybe Trey Lance was their guy, that they were waiting to see if Trey Lance was going to be there, and then the fact that they signed A.J. McCarron directly after that he got picked little bit telling yeah and then uh undrafted free agent felipe franks quarterback out of he played at arkansas last year he was at florida for a couple of years 66 228 he's very raw i believe from what i hear i, rem- I remember him playing at florida he had he had his moments hmm. but uh possible developmental guy i'm not speculating that he's right gonna be a legitimate future. challenge yeah or the future but we have some quarterbacks on the team, and McCarron's a solid backup. You know, I'm I'm fine with that. Yeah, I'm glad. You know, we didn't get Trask or someone like that that we'd have to kind of invest in. I think if you're not getting Lance or Fields at that point with Wilson and Lawrence off the board, you know, well, Fields wasn't off the board at that point, but you weren't taking him, so screw it. Don't don't. After that happens, after you take Pitts, there's no reason to get a. a bigger quarterback to come in here at this point but yeah to go back with what you're saying you see the direction of what the what smith and Fontenot are trying to do i think they're also trying to instill a lot of competition they're drafting players who are going to come in and have a shot to start like treadwell is going to have a chance to start a defensive tackle both the cornerbacks are going to have a chance to start richie grant better be fucking starting you know it's like and, and so, same with the offensive lineman every single person minus um darby is probably going to start or get a, at least a fair chance to start on this team, which is which is exciting in the sense that there will be bigger competition in this camp than I think in any camp we've had probably in the last seven or eight years. I agree with the competition line. I disagree with you saying every single player we just drafted is going to start. I'm saying they're going to have a shot. They're going to get every chance to prove themselves. The, the two cornerbacks are going to be starting? I think they're going to get a chance to. Who's your cornerbacks outside of Isaiah Oliver? A.J. Terrell. Okay, Terrell. Our but best, yeah, our best cornerback on the team, right? Kendall Sheffield. But even still, Sheffield and Oliver are still pretty raw players. It's not like those are experienced veterans who have proven themselves at a really high level. Even Terrell, even though he's he's our best corner, everyone's on notice. If you're not Matt Ryan or Calvin Ridley, you're on notice. That is something that they, they've said a lot: is no one's guaranteed a spot. You have Same to, thing with Hennessy. You have Hennessy, to earn your. You've you been talking Hennessy up forever, but. We just drafted two more offensive line. Anyone, anything can happen. I think that's great. Yeah, yeah. no, I'm, I'm stoked about that. Yeah, so I like that a lot too. So no, yeah, I like not just a, counting on one guy working out. There was too much comfortability with the Dan Quinn and Thomas Mitroff era, especially the last couple of years, where it was just like we know the guys we have and everything's fine. It's like no, you've been under 500 the last fucking three years. The other big sign of the comfortability check is that we did not exercise the fifth year option on Hayden Hurst. Yes. Which, it, like, that was just standard under the Dan Quinn regime is if we drafted you, I mean, granted, we didn't draft Hayden Hurst, but you're going to get that fifth-year option picked up. Not like, so fast, no my friend. Remember Tack McKinley? Did that, that was the first time they didn't do it. Okay. And that was the last year. They finally right. got it right. Sure. But every other time, it's like, yeah. that Vic was the Beasley. first time they got it Vic right. Vic Beasley was the biggest... Uh, God, that just pissed me off. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I like Hayden Hurst, but, you know... You drafted Kyle Pitts. He's the future. Right. He's the present and the future. No doubt. He might even be the past. We don't know. He's, he's supposed to be that good. Sure. Sure, sure. 
All right, Adam, I think that wraps up our, our coverage of the draft as best as we can do it with the limited knowledge we have on these on these players slash insight. So I want to talk about, let's talk about the Braves last. They've been playing like dog shit overall, I feel like, so I like to talk about them last. I like to talk about the team that's impressed me a little bit more, which okay. is the Atlanta Hawks. And Mr. Hawks is going to take a little break this week from uh, Schwann and Squirrel. Oh, there he is. Hello, Mr. Hawk. Welcome, sir. Sorry I discounted you. Squirrel. Yes, sir. Please have a seat. Drinks are on the table. Hawks are doing pretty well, Adam. Won their last two games against Chicago and Portland. Dropped a tough one against Philly. But it's good to have almost everybody healthy again. We're still without Cam Reddish. You know, we're still without DeAndre Hunter. But we're getting contributions from seemingly, I wouldn't say everybody. You just get more of a confident feel when you watch this team against teams that they should be in contention with. Like, we're watching us against uh, Chicago and Portland the last couple of nights. I was like, yeah, we should be beating these guys. You know, we should be beating Lillard and C.J. McCollum. Um it was just it's just it's just a nice feeling. This team has persevered so much and I've seen a lot of evolution. The two biggest things I noticed, one good thing, one bad thing. One good thing is that Trey Young I think has adapted his game very well as the, as the course of the season has happened. I'm I'm seeing less jack up three-pointers. You know, he just dribbles up the court and just fires it from the logo. He still does that every once in a while, but it's not as rampant. Um he's utilizing his teammates more in the offense. And plays are happening sometimes without him, even when he's on the floor. Some guys are able to set themselves up. You know, he'll hand the ball off to Bogey or someone else, and plays will will just materialize in ways that you know where he doesn't need to be involved. It takes you no know, stress off of him, and I think that has led to him jacking up less shots. And I also think it, it makes him more dialed in too, because he's able to take a little bit of a a step back and, and be like, oh my god, the pressure's off me. I don't have to do everything myself. It's not just me and John Collins. It's me and Bogey. It's me and Capella. It's me and Daniello Gallinari. And I've, I'm really impressed by the way he's playing. And I mean, you saw in the Chicago game, he made his, like, what, first six or seven shots in a row. Um, the dude's locked in. Also had a big night against Portland as well. Yeah, it was great to see him come back looking healthy immediately, too. Because yeah. those games, they had the back-to-back against Philly where they just got killed both games. Yeah. But, like, this is the closest we've seen this team too healthy. And, like, Reddish is considering him done for the year. Yeah. Hunter still has a chance to come back, it sounds like, but it sounds like he's just not confident in his knee, and they're not going to push him until he feels good about it. Yeah, and I'm okay with just shutting him down. Like, no reason to risk risk him. I mean, we saw also in that Philly game, Philly's a couple of notches above the Hawks. There's no chance in hell you're competing with, against them against the playoffs. Well, not with that attitude, you certainly I'm just well. saying. There's just no chance. And the Hawks' defense, and this is what I'm going to come back to, the negative side, is just still pretty abysmal. I mean, in the first quarter, Portland was shooting 62% at one point with like two minutes left in the quarter. And it was like... Like I feel like the Hawks start to play better overall in the second half under Nate McMillan. Yeah. But it's just shit like that drives me crazy. And then whenever Clint Capella is out of the game, it is open season in the post for the other team. 
People can drive in there. People can post up. It's no problem. People score at, can score at will. We saw that also when Capella was some for some reason off the court the same time that Embiid was on the court against Philly. It was like seven or eight plays in a row, it felt like. It was just give it to Embiid. He, he just can't be stopped. I know Embiid's a freak. But I saw that in the Chicago and Portland game too. It's just like when Capella's not there, man, the post is wide open. The defense just like collapses. He is the, the enforcer down there. He is so valuable. And I just wish there was some way for this team to play a little bit better defense. We see that. We see flashes. It's just not consistent. Well, that's the trade-off with having a guy like Gallinari, who's offensive first, is a big. Yeah, he's just trash defensively inside. Right. So, but the other thing we're seeing is the conversation we had before the season. It's like, how the hell are you going to get minutes for all of these guys? (laughs) And and thank God we did have the depth that we did, because otherwise, imagine where we'd be if we weren't like 12 deep with solid players. But that Portland game was the first time we saw a lot of uh, did not play coaches decisions for guys that have been like Chris Dunn, Mr. Chris Dunn that we can't stop talking about all year. He's healthy, but he's not playing because there's like McMillan likes to run. He said a nine or 10 man rotation. 10 people played in that Portland game. And Dunn was not one of them. So, which was surprising with the, the defense breaking down, like you said, it was that he could go out there and get a couple stops on Lillard. Nope, don't have, don't have room for Mr. Dunn. So the biggest waste of our year is discussing Chris Dunn so much. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. Why I brought him up so quickly, it's, 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 I don't it, know. I think you're just conditioned as Pavlovian at this point. We talked about defense, Chris Dunn enters your mind, whether he's playing or not. And the good news is about this team, like we talked about, the nucleus is forming. The nucleus is forming in a way that if we can somehow find a way to get a true max contract player, Adam, a legitimate superstar in free agency. I don't know what free agency looks like this year at all. Atlanta's never getting a big free agent. Get that out of your mind. But I'm just saying, remember at the beginning of the season, we talked about what do we need to do to get a big-time free agent attracted here? Show that we can win. Yes, and we are going to go to the playoffs. I don't think there's any way around that. We, we have... Like, we're in the playoffs. We're not 100% in for not having to do one of those stupid playing games. Right. That, that's the next goal. Right. It's and that's av- a big goal. Yeah, avoid that shit. Win a playoff round. Which I think right now we're, we're slated to play the Knicks if the season were to end today. Which I do not want to play the Knicks. I do not want to play the Knicks. The Knicks, Knicks are lights out. Yes. Yes. And particularly with their three-point shooting against our three-point defense. It does not bode well. Anyway. But the point well, that's is. where Chris Dunn comes in, Graham. Yes, maybe that's where Chris Dunn comes in. Our 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 our, 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 our uh, defensive unicorn, yes. as it were. But I think the big thing for this team that we talked about at the end of the season is get to the playoffs. That shows that we are serious about winning if we can get to the playoffs with all these people we added. We want added people that can help us get to the playoffs. We're going to go to the playoffs. We've got to win a round. We've got to win a playoff round, improve to prospective free agents, that are big-time superstars, if there are any this offseason, if you come here, things can get better. Because we had Bogdanovich for many more, I think, what, three more years? Yep. Gallinari for, like, three more years? Yep. Um, you know, those are two huge pieces that we got. How great are those signings now? That Like, they've both worked out splendidly. Yeah, and there were times, especially, I know when Bogdanovich was hurt and he came back, he wasn't very good. Gallinari struggled at the beginning of the season mightily. We were like, what the hell is going on? These guys figured it out. They're seasoned pros, and they've shown up. I mean, Bogdanovich is playing with a confidence. That's just off the charts right now, and it's, it's translating to his, his stat sheet. 
he's constantly been scoring 20 points, it feels like, especially when Trey was out. Like, he was de facto lead scorer. We have a big slate of games coming up. We play Phoenix tonight. They are the best team in the Western Conference for those that haven't been paying attention like me, which I was shocked at, at least record-wise. And then we play Indiana, and then two games against the Wizards at home. Most of these games are at home, though. I think the Pacers game is the only game that's uh, that's away. I think seven of our last eight are at home, and our schedule down the stretch is a lot easier than the Knicks. So that yeah, gives the Knicks. us an advantage looking for that four seed. Yeah. Because if we do have to play the Knicks in a 4-5 matchup, we want the damn home court. Yes. For whatever reason, even if it's – I think they're increasing it to like – 7,000 people or something. Yeah, which is like 40% capacity. It's still a big advantage, especially in the NBA. The yeah. NBA more so than any other sport. Home court advantage. It's huge. Matters big time. Yeah. Big time. And I think it'll matter. I think – I mean, there's a lot of excitement around this team. You look at social media, people are really into the game during the game and after the game. People are talking – Constantly about Trey, about John, about Bogey, um, about the job Nate McMillan continues to do. He's just a master of adjustments, man. The thing I really like about him is he doesn't let things languish when things aren't working. He calls timeout. He brings guys to the you know to the huddle. He gets in their faces and like, what the fuck's going on here? Let's clean this up. Shit gets cleaned up, particularly from halftime to uh, from from the first half to the second half. Halftime, he's like a master adjuster. That defense was so much better in the second half against Portland the other night. Carmelo was shooting the ball at will. He couldn't miss. It wasn't a really big factor in the second half. Even We even went on a scoring drought. We didn't score for like four and a half minutes or something in, um, in the fourth quarter. But we were still up by like 10 or 11 points because the, the adjustments had been made to solidify the game at that point. It's the opposite of Lloyd Pierce, where Lloyd Pierce yeah. would come out hot and then just fall flat right. at halftime. Yeah, we don't blow leads anymore, especially against teams that we should be beating. Well, it's a young team, and they're learning how to win. Yeah. Like there, there's something real to that. Yes, but also I think the man at the top is doing a magnificent job still. And I just give him another superstar, man. And let's hope that he accepts our job offer. That too. That would be very true to Atlanta. Oh, God, if he just goes somewhere. Well, like if something, if a better job opens up. Right. Like let's say it's not going to happen, but let's say the Lakers job opens up for some reason. You're going to go coach LeBron and Anthony Davis. I wouldn't blame you for doing that. But, all, I mean, he doesn't have a good track record in the playoffs as well. So that that's what might keep other teams from wanting him. Maybe. But I think – doesn't affect me. Right. But I also think just like the job he's doing with this team, which is a, a decent team but not a great team, I think we can agree on that, is admirable. He's pulled them out of the muck, and, and they've still endured injuries. And, God, you know, chemistry issues, locker room issues seem to be abated. The injuries are still present. But he's done a magnificent job. He, he – they got to extend him the job. I don't care if we get swept in the first round. The guy is fantastic. Oh, we don't want to get swept in the first I round. I know we don't. Remember when the Thrashers got swept in the first round, Graham? Yeah. That was painful. That was painful. Yeah, but it's okay. I mean. No, we don't have that franchise anymore, Graham. It's not okay. Well, it's not because of that. They're in Canada. Oh, yeah. It, it absolutely is because they of that. We, we did like a whole damn episode. We did a whole episode on the Thrashers last year around this time, Graham. I know. If they win... A couple games in that series, they're still in Atlanta. So you think if the Falcons, I mean, sorry, the Hawks get swept, that they will be excommunicated and will leave Atlanta? If if we get swept, we lose McMillan, we lose John Collins, we lose Trey Young. Oh, you want to lose John Collins, though. You're fine with that. S- true. <laughs> Seven years down the road, team's out of Atlanta. Oh, Jesus. 
All right, I'll hold you to that. <laughs> it's on. It's on. It's but on, it, it's but on it's, tape. We need to. We need to be competitive. Win a couple. Games. I agree. I, I, I'm, I'm taking a very loser attitude. I'm just saying that I think, regardless of what happens, I think McMillan should be offered that job, and I hope he takes it. Hell yeah, because um, he's, he's certainly earned it. Thirty-six and thirty for a team that was just like, like one point we were like seven or eight games under five hundred under Lloyd Pierce not too long ago, like a couple months ago. Yeah, it was it was dark days for a yeah. while. So, I guess three months ago, he was fired in February. So, anyways, Hawks are doing good. Season's winding down. Tonight against the Suns might be tough. But the rest of the way, the Wizards aren't very good. The Magic aren't very good. The Hornets are also awful. And I don't think the Pacers are very good either. So, um, yeah, they're, they're four games under five hundred. So, we should take care of business, hopefully winning. Let's say, let's win, like, four of six. That'd be nice. We win four of six to close out the season, get, build some momentum, hopefully go into the playoffs, ready to go, avoid this silly play-in tournament. I still don't understand how it works. I don't want to understand how it works, and I don't want to even think about it. I just yeah. want to avoid it. Let's get into normal playoffs, see what happens with this team. Normal playoffs, yes. Yeah, We're a game and a half out of the silly playoffs. We want normal playoffs. So we're in the normal playoffs now? Correct. Yeah, okay, good. All right, so I think that wraps us up for the Hawks. Let's talk about the Braves, Adam. Truly Atlanta's most true to Atlanta team right now. Fresh off being swept by the Toronto Blue Jays after taking three or four from Chicago. It seems like every time we think this team has gotten its shit together, they just fall on their face. Yeah, they've had three four-game losing streaks already this year, and it's May 5th. So, yeah, I mean, I was feeling great about the Braves after those first three Chicago uh, games. 8-7, 5-0, 10-0. Especially the 5 nothing game. Felt like Braves baseball. Yeah, Ian Anderson, Ian Anderson awesome. pitched really well. The offense came through with timely hitting up and down the board. Um, good job by the bullpen to shut it down. No problems. It felt like just it felt like a game last year, mm-hmm. and then that was short lived. Yeah. So Toronto, we got Drew Smiley again. The guy's Dude. just he looks like trash, right? Yeah. I don't. I don't think there's any any other way to say it. It's a big problem when your starting rotation is bolstered by two guys who have a collective, like, 13 MLB starts between them. That is a, just a sign of disaster. That Those guys are your best pitchers. I'm not taking anything away from what Huasker and Ian Anderson have accomplished this year, particularly Huasker. Huasker is far and away our best pitcher. Hell, he might be our best hitter right now. He had a grand slam last night and a home run in his last pitching appearance. The guy has been unbelievable, but... With a guy like Huasker who doesn't have a long track record, you keep waiting for the other shoe to fall. We need Morton and Smiley to step up, particularly Smiley. At least Smiley just be serviceable, man. At least Charlie Morton, you can see good pitches, even when he doesn't have a great outing or has a bad inning or whatever. Drew Smiley is throwing batting practice. We, I mean, he, he is this year's Tommy Malone. Yes. And we lost to Tommy Malone this weekend. That was so frustrating. <laughs> that was another blown lead, man. That guy's trash. I'm so sick of these blown leads in this team. I'm really tired of seeing Nate Jones and Luke Jackson in high leverage situations or late inning appearances when the game is close. Like, Luke Jackson facing George Springer was a fucking joke. Like, you knew that was going to be a disaster. Especially his last, the last battery face who he struck out on curveball. I can't remember if it was Simeon or someone else. But it was a hanging curveball. The guy just barely missed it. Yeah, he struck him out. It was a shitty pitch. You're talking about the game on Saturday night, right? Yes. Yeah. When I was... Sick as a, I wasn't sick as a dog, but I was, I was feeling out of it. I got my COVID vaccine the day before, so I felt the after effects uh, the day after. I watched United, I watched the Braves and the Hawks that night. It was like full on Atlanta sports fest. Mm-hmm. 
and I was just like, once Luke Jackson came in the seventh inning, I was, I just had flashbacks, and I was like, I thought about, it, I was like, who's up this inning? I was like, okay, it's like the ninth batter, and then George Springer. I was like, George Springer's definitely hitting a home run. This is just like when Paul Goldschmidt had a home run in the playoffs. I was like, why are you bringing in Luke Jackson against an absolute beast, and or in just in a late inning scenario? Luke Jackson is not a good pitcher. Earth to Brian Snitker. What are you doing? It was pretty funny. I was listening to uh, Saturday, that game, I was camping. And outside of Helen, Georgia, I think it was like 99.3 on the the radio station. And they, they just were playing banging country hits mm. the entire afternoon. Nice. Like a lot of like 90s country transition and, and like no commercials. Oh, wow. It was like... It was better than like Spotify, hundred percent. I was about to say better than sex. It, well, it was close. <laughs> it was close. Yeah. And then I'm starting. It's like almost game time. I'm like, oh, let me. I gotta figure out what the damn Brave Station is up here. Same station. Same station. <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome. So we were listening to that game on the radio. Everything's going great. Pache hits the grand slam. Right. And then when Luke Jackson comes in, I'm like, come on, Lukey boy, prove me right. And then I heard that home run, and I was like, well, this is going to be discussed on the podcast this week. But, yeah. he, I mean, your boy Nate Jones is gone. That's good news. Yeah, at least he's gone. But it's, it's, still, it's hilarious. Still, the problem is, is that these guys are still being used in high-level scenarios. I, I do not, I cannot fathom that. Tyler Matzik pitches in a 6-1 game, or whatever it was last night, yet Luke Jackson's got a pitch in the seventh inning when we have a one-run lead. Explain that to me. I can't. Exactly. Like, what is Snicker doing right now with this bullpen? I know. I'm assuming that was a righty, righty matchup. I don't care about that. I don't care if Luke Jackson has splits against right-handers where they're hitting 174 against him. I don't want him facing anyone in a high-leverage scenario. I think you have a Luke Jackson bias. But the reason I have Luke Jackson bias is because of the track record. It's not a good track record outside of you know a month in 2019. He's not a good pitcher. While we're on our, what has been a very substandard bullpen. Right. and But I will say this, and I know I shit on Luke Jackson a lot. I respect Luke Jackson. He goes out there. He, he tries his best. I think he's a true competitor and a warrior. I've read, I read a very great story that Dave O'Brien wrote about him, I think, in 2018 or 19. I can't remember. He cited the man in the crowd speech um, that I think a former president gave Roosevelt or I think Teddy Roosevelt gave about how the man in the crowd can shit on you all you want, but he ain't out here fighting. Mm. You are. And it's, and it's a great speech. You should look it up. You, Good you point, Luke. And I agree with that. And I don't blame him for anything. And I am the man in the crowd. I am the person that Luke is addressing, and I get that. And I admire his spirit. But the, the proof is in the pudding, man. This guy should not be pitching in high-leverage scenarios. He even threw a ball that was about 20 feet over the catcher's head on that same at bat. And it was, it's just like, this guy is either just grooving balls down the middle or his control's not very good. I think you just have to deal with the fact that Luke Jackson is part of this Braves team. And of Why? This era. He, he, cause Why? He is. Deal with it, Graham. Luke Jackson is going to get the last out of the World Series, and you're going to cry for Luke Jackson. If that happens, I will jump off the roof of your house. <laughs> no, don't do that. I will do something <laughs> ridiculous. Let me think of something that's safer that I can do how about this? I will take 10 consecutive shots of tequila if that happens. Is that safer than jumping off a roof? I think so. Probably. Because I think I can could, do that. You could purge yourself. I can purge well. myself. I will, take, I will make a 
I, you don't have to bet anything. I will just say if that happens, 10 shots of tequila, line them up, I'm taking them. I'm just picturing you writing a movie script that is it's or, or no it'd be a short film i think it's okay. just flashbacks to all of like you just ranting against luke jackson and how terrible he is and how he just doesn't belong where really he's the heart and soul of this franchise graham Jesus. of this city luke jackson is our city and he's gonna get it done when it matters the most sure he gave up a solo home run that's fine to george springer one of the best players well you know top 25 player in the league okay Anyways, I believe in Luke still. I think Luke is not the biggest one of our problems, just like Matt Ryan is not the biggest Oh, don't compare Luke Jackson to Matt Ryan. Come on. I'm just saying. Come on. No, 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 no. My comparison is people say Matt Ryan is the biggest problem with the Falcons. Fake news. Luke Jackson is not the biggest problem with the Braves. He is a part of the problem. We have the worst ERA in the majors. It's not like And it's not Luke Jackson's I agree. He's He's not out there starting. You know, he's not pitching every five. Well, maybe he is pitching every five, but he's not starting. So... We and, got a and, lot bigger issues than Luke Jackson. Like, like, let, let's rail on some other people. Marcelo Zuna, what are you doing? Oh man, dude is awful this year so far. Like, I know I was Mister Try to be Mister Level Headed last week, but I literally brought liquor over here again this week, Adam, to drink. Doctor Liquor is making an appearance now because is this why we saved the Braves for last? This may be why we saved the Braves for last. But I mean, I mean, Marcel's hitting well under. Two, he's hitting under 200, a sub 300 on base percentage, and slugging 292 with a 570 OPS and a negative 0.54. Marcel doesn't look good at the plate. He has made some good contact where he's hit balls right at people, but I still don't like his approach at the plate. People are figuring out that you just don't throw him fastballs. He wails. He, I mean, say wails. If he was wailing, he would be smacking the shit out of the ball. He flails at everything. Any off-speed pitch, he is out in front of. He is waiting for the fastball. People are not throwing him fastballs anymore, and he's not adjusting to that. Very frustrating. What about your boy, Freddie? Freddie's definitely in a funk as well. 208, 339, 434. Yeah, yeah. at least he's slugging 434, which isn't great. But it's like... And That's his lowest slugging since his rookie year. Yeah, he's usually slugging over 500. Um, I still have plenty of faith in Freddie. More so than I have Marcel. But Freddie's making a lot of weak contact. Lots of ground outs to uh, first base and second base last night. I think there was two um, two over there. He's not making good contact right now. Freddie doesn't look good. Darno is hurt. Probably out for the rest oh, of the year. Oh, yeah, we should year. probably reference that. Yeah, huh? Darno's probably out for the rest of the year. I loved, though, seeing the effort from uh, Contreras. Contreras is a baller, man. Contreras has... You know a confidence. I'll say yeah. that much. And like from la- last year when he started the first four games of the year when mm-hmm. Darno and Flowers were mm-hmm. both out with COVID, like he comes in and gets a game winning hit. This guy can straight up hit. Yeah, he's their future at catcher, and which is good news considering because I don't think Darno wasn't hitting great anyways. No, but I mean like he may have come on later in the year, but he's probably not gonna like he what he tore a ligament in his thumb, right? So there's a chance he's well, Graham, Doctor Graham. What do you think? Well, there's a chance he comes back later in the season, but we shouldn't bank on that. The good news about this, even though it's bad news for Travis and we wish him well, um, is that Contreras, the spotlight's on him now. No more Alex Jackson. Jeff Mathis is going to be the backup catcher. I, I think Jackson will be back as the backup. I hope he's just, he's a worthless hitter. He, he can't at the major hit at all. Yeah, worthless. And I, I hate to say that about somebody, but he is, he's a bad hitter. But Contreras, last night, 
you know, we got runners in scoring position, which we have struggled mightily with this year. It's a low pitch. I think there's two strikes on him. He goes down and just lets the bat do the work. He just makes contact, drives it nicely to left field, drives in a run. Might have been two runs. I can't remember. But it was just a great piece of hitting. It was like he wasn't trying to do too much. He wasn't trying to be a hero. And ironically, he was the hero because he gave us more runs. And at bats like that are few and far between with this, this ball club right now. We're not getting quality at bats. People are swinging at everything, not drawing enough walks, not making good. Even though I know we have like a high hard hit percentage. I read a story the other day where we like have the highest hard hit percentage in baseball or something. And, you know, hopefully that will start turning, particularly for Marcelo Zuna. But I still don't see a lot of long at bats with guys. I don't see guys grinding, which has been an issue I've had with this team. Even going back to last year when we were really good offensively. There's just not a lot of grind out at bats unless you're Acuna. Acuna, or, or Austin Riley. Or Austin Riley, who has just come on magnificently. So proud of him. Um, you know, look at his slash line, 315, 415, 438. You'd like to see that slugging percentage higher, but he's doing a, a, a much better job. Um, you know, we need him to step up, particularly in the absence of Guillermo Heredia, who was, you know, our second best offensive player there for a little while. So, yeah, Riley's definitely come on. But, man, things are pretty bleak right now for me, Adam, with these Braves. And it's not just the offensive struggles. I still expect to turn around eventually because, you know, we're in May. It's fine. The pitching stuff drives me crazy. Max Fried starts, I think, tonight. He's starting. He's pitching He's as pitching we as we speak. We have no idea what's going on. So He's got to get his shit together. If we want a prayer in hell to do anything this year, he's got to get his shit together. Well, that's the thing with our pitching. It's like, yes, we're having our issues right now, but you know is a complete find. Morton, we trust Morton in the long run. Don't. Don't. Okay. Easy, easy. <laughs> I, I could see where that was going. I'm just going to put my shirt over my head while you talk. Our two best pitchers coming of the year have not really pitched at all this year. And Freed, he was not Freed when he pitched. No. And Soroka. Soroka. Yeah. Hopefully, we see a Mr. Soroka at some point. But, like, the good news about Smiley sucking, it's going to be easier to replace him. If, like, he, he's he's got a few more weeks to see if he can be somewhat of a decent Major league pitcher. He's going to get more than a few weeks. I mean, you sign a guy when you're uh, owned by a shitty organization who doesn't spend uh, money on free agents, then you're going to get, and you got what, the second highest um, contract in free agency or the third that the Braves gave out? For us, yeah. Yeah. Then you're going to get more than a few weeks. He's going to get probably to the end of the month. He's going to get, maybe he can be a stud out of the bullpen. He's going to get to the end of June, I think. And maybe that's too long, but that's just my opinion. To prove that he is not um, complete trash. The thing that kills me about like, and he he even mentioned this is like, he g- gives up all these runs in the first inning all the time, and that just like completely takes your team out of it. Yeah, you know, four well, runs in the clean first. Clean it up, man. Yeah, like Jesus yeah, Christ. Christ. Good point. Good point. Like, don't make excuses. I mean, he's not even making excuses. He's just acknowledging he's bad. Yeah, he's he knows no, he is. And I know he's a competitor, and he's had decent seasons before. Hell, he had a decent season last year, even though it was a shortened season. But, man, you're right. Anthopolis does not have good luck with these um, left-handed, injury-prone veterans. We all know about Cliff Lee last year. Or not Cliff Lee. Cole Hamels. <laughs> Cole Hamels. Sorry, I was getting the, the Phillies guys confused. I remember that era of Hamels, Oswalt, and Halliday just being unstoppable. But, God, man, Smiley just looks awful. And the bullpen. What's going to be done about the bullpen, Adam? Like, what, what What? can we realistically do? Do we need to put Bryce Wilson back there? He hasn't looked good when he started. 
Yeah, and I don't know what the answer is. My saving grace was Sean Newcomb, and he got sent down today to bring Freed back up. Newcomb's done to me. Oh, he's done to you just like that? Yeah. One bad, like last week you were okay with him. Well, what do you think? You're the yes man. You always approve of whatever the Braves do, and they send him down. So what do you have to say about that? I No, I, I would have definitely liked to keep him up. Okay. Like, so you disagree with the establishment? I disagree this with the establishment. Is, this is a big breakthrough for you, Adam. Let your hate flow through you. Well, I, I generally don't agree with the establishment in a lot of things in life, but when it comes to my sports franchises, I, I sure. go with the establishment. No, I understand that. I wasn't trying to get any other parts of your life. Oh, sure, sure, sure. But I meant the sports. You're usually, usually the yes man. You're like, yeah, whatever they think, man. Well, no, it depends on who's leading it. Okay. Antho- I believe in Anthopolis. Right. I believe in the Schlenk. Right. So far, I believe in Fontenot. Right. But, uh, yeah, I don't know what you do with this bullpen, Graham. Mm. Um, and maybe Newcomb, maybe he's not right. I'll, I'll, I'll go back to the establishment. Maybe he's not healthy, and they knew it, and we just don't know it. Yeah, maybe. I just don't have any faith in that guy anymore. Like, you've, he had more than enough chances as a starter and now a reliever. I'm done. Goodbye. Sure. Yeah. Worst trade ever. Giving up Andrelton Simmons for his ass. God damn it. That just still pisses me off. All right, we're moving on. <laughs> I, I see I see the angst in your eyes. So, what what are we talking about now with these Braves? And we know the offense is struggling. We know that the pitching is awful. Tell me something to look forward to. Like what what's what like we keep expecting that things are going to turn around, they're not. So, what to look forward to? We're a game and a half out of first. Uh win the next three games we're feeling good about this team again freed you'll be happy to know graham has thrown a scoreless inning oh great no hits no walks hopefully he's gotten his stuff together uh this is a big week because we played washington and then philly the game we're going to so it's like we can make some noise in this division this week if we can get our shit together here's something to look forward to here's what you look forward to all right your damn pre-bachelor party coming up saturday we're gonna be in damn truest park which you know that that, it'll be our first time at truest park right First time in the true, and you know we're gonna be in. A, it's gonna be a packed house. It's gonna be awesome. Hopefully we get a win. We got Ian Anderson going for us, right? Against Velasquez, who I, I feel like we're gonna hit three home runs off of him easy. I hope so. And I want Marcel that, to go apeshit in that game. That's my hope. Yeah, those hard hits. They're gonna start falling yeah. from Marcel. Mm-hmm. It's still early. Thank God. I mean, at least we're not the Mets who spent all that damn money and they've already fired their hitting coach. That's crazy. And uh, your, That's batshit. Your boy, uh, what's that shortstop that you said was the best thing in the world? Uh, Frankie Lindor, yeah. Yeah, like they, they want to just murder that guy in New York right now. Yeah, he's not doing well. The whole New York offense isn't doing well. Their pitching is outstanding, though. Their pitching has been out of this world good. Like, at least the Mets can hold on to, like, we have a good pitching staff. Maybe the offense can come around. We we are just, like, floundering. We're Everything's broken right now for the Braves, it feels like. Wasker Yanoa has more home runs and RBIs than the $300 million man, Francisco Lindor. Yeah, let's talk about Wasker for a second. This guy, nothing was expected of him. Hits a home run in his last appearance before this week. And then hits a grand slam last night. And not only does he hit a grand slam, he pitches, like, seven seven innings. Of near shutout ball, and the only reason that a run scores because we had an uncharacteristic error from Pache. I mean, this guy. Well, he's efficient too. Ninety six pitches to get it done. Yeah, and throwing ninety nine on the black. Yeah, like, with his with, with his that six slider, that great slider. I mean, I love watching this guy pitch. I mean, even the first inning, he got a double play, and he was just so fired up about it. I'm like, 
you just feel that his energy is infectious. He, he is a guy going out there and saying, fuck everyone. He is telling everyone to, to F off. And I love that. And he's, he's just shoving it down their throats. That Grand Slam, he even watched it. He stroked it. And I was like, holy shit, did he do a Grand Slam? And he's just watching it. He's not even running yet. He's, he's just watching it. It's a beautiful thing. It's dead center field, crushed. He certainly, like, let's not get ahead of ourselves with his hitting. Like, he flailed like he was swinging an axe at the pitch before that. But he's a big, strong guy. Yeah. He can connect with one. Let's. Yeah. I, I don't think if... You can't DH, expect to the home run every I, I don't think if the DH comes back that Wasker uh, continues to hit. I'll tell you what, if Sandoval's been used and Wasker hasn't, Wasker's your next guy up. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Let's focus on his pitching. His okay. pitching has been his phenomenal. Pitching's been great. But two home runs out of him is huge, and that definitely like changed the trajectory of that ball game. He yesterday. single-handedly won that game. Yeah. I mean, Acuna hit the home run initially, but he single-handedly won that game with his pitching and then driving in runs in a clutch situation. Yeah. And you can't ask for more from this guy. He's given you over-the-moon production pitching and offense so far this year. So, thank God for him. Thank God for Acuna. We're still in it. Yeah. We'll keep saying this every week. Hopefully, I mean, eventually I'll stop saying it. (laughs) But we know these guys can hit. Right. They're too good. We know a lot of these guys can pitch. Yeah. They're too good. And we know Ozzy's picked it up. He's like on a seven-game hitting streak. He's done better. Dansby's starting to do something. Yeah. Austin Riley. So just starters, get your shit together. We'll see what – and just piece the bullpen together, I guess. Yeah. Like I, we do every year. Every right. year we piece the bullpen together. We're going to need to make some moves at the we'll deadline. Ma- we'll, make, we'll, make, we'll make some deals. We're going to need – if we're – I hope we're still in contention, but if we are, we got to make some moves by the deadline for the bullpen and the, probably the rotation too, potentially. But we'll see. We'll see. Lots of time. Lots of time before then. Well, folks, I think that wraps up this uh, elongated episode of Atlanta Zone. We hope you're doing well out there. Wish us luck uh, virtually uh, for this pre-bachelor party. Hopefully we come out unscathed and um, ready to go for the real one slash the wedding and all that stuff. We'll be tailgating at uh, one of the hotels. Can't remember the name of it right now. Mm. Uh, If you see a guy with a mini grill... And, um, you know, there'll be some other weird things going on that Graham isn't privy to oh, yet. Jesus. <laughs> that's, that's your boys of an Atlanta zone. So we'll right. be out there. Sounds good. Until then, folks, stay safe, rise up, mix it up, unite and conquer, and remain true to Atlanta. Hospitometer. Hospitometer.